Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Well, congratulations, making it through the first day. <clears throat> is it like you thought it would be? <clears throat> you might, if this is your first retreat, and there's a number of people who that's the case for um, be having a question every now and then come, come in through your mind, what did I get myself into? Or why are we doing this? That was a question that would come to my mind a lot when I first would be practicing. Why am I doing this? Uh, so I thought I'd talk tonight about um, what we're doing and uh, why we're doing it and uh, some healthy attitudes, at least that I find uh, healthy as we go into this process together. First, I want to uh, reiterate uh, something that I said in a couple of my groups and, uh, and also that Howie mentioned uh, about the settling in period. If you have some kind of an idea that, uh, wow, I finally made it to Spirit Rock. This is a time now I can just kind of chill out and uh, just be present for my life. Uh, the first day can be a bit humbling that we are in uh, that settling in period, which uh, Howie mentioned as a detox, which is exactly how I think of it. It's a, we're detoxing, we're fasting from stimulation. And uh, at the beginning, it takes uh, a real adjustment. So the first two maybe even three days, I give myself three days at least, and then a few more if it's still not, not there. But um, the first two or three days, the main experience is <clears throat> sleepiness, restlessness, busy mind, achy body. If you have any one of those, you're right on schedule. You're doing just fine. What gets easier as you do this uh, more and more is you know that that's part of the package and it's really fine. You're not doing anything wrong. For years, I tried to figure out how can I start a retreat on the fourth day, you know? <laughs> uh, but there's something really powerful <clears throat> that you're giving yourself as you go through this settling in process. And there's also, excuse me, <clears throat> uh, naturally in that process, uh, some resistance. You're sleeping in a new area with a bed, perhaps with a roommate. You're being told to sit still for 45 minutes, now walk in this strange uh, kind of uh, uh, bizarre way where you're just paying attention and going back and forth for 45 minutes or a half an hour. Now you eat mindfully, very slowly. You don't make eye contact. Um, it's weird, right? <clears throat> At least on the outside. And it's almost guaranteed to bring up some kind of resistance for many people. Now you might be saying, hey, that's not me. I am just so glad to be here and things are just on cruise control. Fabulous. Just consider yourself really fortunate and grace has descended upon you. But for uh, many of us, the first day is, uh, is a challenge. <clears throat> so um, I wanted to um, particularly address something that Howie said uh, in the instructions, or maybe it was last night. He said that it's not even more than what's happening, the key is what, how we relate to what's happening. So I want to talk about how we know what's happening, how we can know what's happening, and wise attitudes in relating 
to practice and our secret ingredient, what we bring to the practice. So first, how do we know what's happening? The essence of what we're doing here, as I'm sure most everybody knows, is being present for our experience, mindfulness, which the Buddha said is the most wondrous way to overcome all sorrow, lamentation, pain, and pain and anxiety and suffering and realize the highest happiness. That is the establishment of mindfulness. What is mindfulness? Just a brief refresher for some of you and uh, maybe a, a little deeper understanding of what we're doing for others. I think of four aspects of mindfulness which I heard the first time I ever was exposed to these teachings in Naropa, in Boulder, Colorado in 1974, and I was sitting at, at Joseph's, Joseph Goldstein's class in Essential Buddhism 101, and uh, he was right. And I'll just share with you what I heard that day and what I've been sharing uh, as long as I've been teaching first aspect of mindfulness is seeing clearly what our actual experience is. Not embellishing it, not making it more dramatic than it is, but to just call it like it is. I uh, grew up in New York City where often people live in superlatives. This is the most intense day of my life, even more than yesterday. That's the most boring talk, oh my God. Or you ever hear somebody say, this is the greatest movie. You Wait till you see, this is the greatest movie. You're, and you go and say, well, it was good, but it wasn't the greatest. And somehow it kind of takes away because in that living in a superlative, like we're trying to squeeze a bit more out of experience, this is just calling it like it is. Okay, hmm, my back is hurting, not I'm going to die if it goes another two minutes in this sitting. I'm kind of bored, not I'll never make it another, another moment, or I'm feeling kind of happy now. It doesn't have to be this is ecstasy. I, I know this is why I've come here. Just calling it like it is. And it's a very powerful and refreshing thing to be accurate and honest with our experience. So that's the first thing, seeing things clearly. That's the, the definition of the word vipassana, to see things clearly, to see things as they are. Second aspect of mindfulness is to be present for your experience. This is not where a whole lot of us spend a lot of time. If you haven't noticed, we have this amazing propensity to be either a little bit ahead of ourselves, or a lot ahead, or a little bit behind, or a lot behind. Oh yeah, gee, uh, did I turn off the gas at home? Or what did I do three months ago? And you're kind of replaying it in your mind over and over. To be lost in the past, or the future, or in fantasy. And every now and then when we're here in the present, it's like, oh, this is real time. Well, we're learning more and more to be here in real time. You might have had some, uh, some thoughts as somebody brought up in one of, the, one of the groups, you know, gosh, five days of this, how will I make it? And every time you look ahead to the, the finish line, uh, it just seems so far away. And I, I shared in, in the group, I'll share here, the first time I did a longer retreat, one of those retreats that Howie mentioned uh, uh, last night, a three-month retreat in, uh, in, at uh, Massachusetts. When I started sitting, by the third day, my mind was going, wow, 11 weeks, three days, 15 hours, and 20 minutes. I'm never going to make it. Right? 
Luckily, somebody gave a talk on patience just around then. And every time I'd see myself toppling forward, I would just remind myself, it's all here. It's all here right now. Uh, in fact, I'm going to do the exercise that I did in the group. Just imagine right now something that you're really looking forward to. Okay, Maybe bedtime tonight or something, your next vacation or whatever. Um, get it in your mind. You got something? Something will be really great to experience or have. Okay, so now um, if you'll go along with me on this, imagine it's right in front of you and if you lean far enough and touch it, you'll have instant gratification, just what you want. Okay, so I'd like you to do that. Keep your butt on your cushion or chair and lean forward. Come on, go for it. Oh, come on, if you really want it, go for it. And it's right outside your grasp, and now you realize it's not going to happen. So very slowly, come back and let your body feel what it's like to come back into the present moment. Do you see the difference? This is really, as tantalizing as it might be, unpleasant. This is where pieces. So this is about being present for your experience, which is the most powerful way to have your life count, because everything else is kind of remembrance of things past or fantasies about the future. This is where it's happening. This is where there's connection, where there's intimacy, where there's appreciation, where there's love, where there's learning and wisdom. So, to be here and be present for your life. Seeing things clearly, being here in the present. Third aspect of mindfulness or bare attention is something that becomes more and more obvious as you pay attention, and that is that the present moment is constantly changing. No matter how great your moment experience is, it will change. No matter how challenging this moment is for you, it will change. And the Buddha suggested continual reflection on impermanence so that you don't get hooked into thinking, oh, if I, when I get my life together, when I finally get all my ducks lined up in a row, yeah, I'll finally have it made. It doesn't work that way. Rather, this is about realizing that we are on a journey called life. And it's not about getting to any particular destination. It's about being here for the ride. And what you're doing as you go through each day, and each day on a retreat is so packed. It's, it's like you can stuff two or three days in one day. Think of how many moods you've had today, how many thoughts you've had today, and seeing just what goes on when there's no distractions. You go through many, many different places in one day, and that's fine. Because what you're doing is learning to be here for the ride, because it's always changing. And as you get that more and more, not just as an intellectual idea, but an embodied direct experience, then when things are really great, you want to be here for them, definitely, but you're not confused when they change. And when things are challenging, you want to be here for that too, because the more you run away, the more it's chasing you. And when you can be here and say, okay, what is happening right now? You learn not only to be with experience, but that you can be with experience. And so it's a very potent thing as you see impermanence and are willing to be here for each moment. And then Lastly, the fourth aspect of mindfulness is being here for your experience without judging it, without 
thinking it should be different than it is. This is the way it is. As Ajahn Sumedho, one of our teachers, a, a very wise, inspiring uh, uh, teacher, he says, it's like this. It always comes down to, it's like this. Oh, that's what this experience is like. Oh, this is what fear is like. This is what love is like. This is what confusion is like. It's like this. And when you're not caught in the judgments of how you think things should be, you can really wake up to what's here rather than your filter and giving life a report card of what you think should be happening or is it passing or failing your test. So in every single moment we have this opportunity to wake up to what's here. It's very simple but very profound and I think I want to do a couple of mindfulness exercises just to show you, uh, for me, how it works. Mm. This is one that uh, Joseph uh, would do and I really found it valuable. Just put your arm, your hand out in front of you and move it slowly back and forth. Now close your eyes and put all your attention on the movement. Right now, is there any confusion? Any tomorrow or yesterday? Is just feeling the movement. Okay, you can open your eyes. That was it. You were just mindful. And in that moment, it's not like the sky opens up and you get zapped with you know, the big E of enlightenment. But it's a mini enlightenment because in that moment, there's a fullness of your attention a coming into this moment where your mind isn't spun out in its own stories. It's quite restful, isn't it? Was that okay to go back and forth? It's not a big deal, right? Oh, what a nice place to be. And that is the same whether you're moving your hand or you're feeling the breath or you're hearing a sound or you're feeling a sensation. Even if it's an unpleasant one, pleasant or unpleasant, we can be here and train ourselves to be here for the show. And in that fullness where you're not fighting the experience, oh, it's like this. And that's where there's refuge in the present moment. One other exercise. Close your eyes and uh, bring someone to mind who you have some um, feelings for one way or another. And have an, a picture of them. Just imagine they're right here. Now become aware that you're sitting in a room full of people and we're all making pictures in our minds. Here we are, just making pictures together. Do you see the difference between being in the middle of the movie and realizing that you're just creating a movie, a picture. That moment where you realize, oh, the mind is creating an image, is creating a thought. That's a moment of mindfulness. You're mindful of the thoughts. And it's incredibly liberating. Somebody was saying it in, in the group, how she could see there was judgment in the mind and, and then all of a sudden realize, oh, it's just this thought that she's creating, and that's not necessarily so. She said it was so liberating. <clears throat> There's freedom in that seeing clearly in that way. In fact, I'll read to you one of my, a poem from my favorite poet, Dana Falls, about mindfulness called Walk Slowly. She says, it only takes a reminder to breathe a moment to be still, and just like that, 
something in me settles, softens, makes space for imperfection. The harsh voice of judgment drops to a whisper, and I remember again that life isn't a relay race, that we will all cross the finish line, that waking up to life is what we were born for. As many times as I forget, catch myself charging forward without even knowing where I'm going, that many times I can make the choice to stop, to breathe, and be, and walk slowly into the mystery. This is what we're doing, and this is what each moment of mindfulness can provide for us to stop, breathe, be still, and be in the mystery of life. So, easier said than done, as you might notice. I mean, what could be simpler? Somebody says, just sit here and know you're breathing. It's hard, isn't it? Because we have a tendency to be everywhere but here. So, some um, attitudes, as I said, that I want to share. For me, my basic approach when I'm doing, um, doing my own practice is a wholeheartedness, really wanting to make use of this time, because it's so precious, and at the same time to keep it light, because you can get very serious doing this, and you get no extra points for grimness. You're not cultivating grimness. And in fact, for me, the essence of the instructions, and you'll hear a lot of instructions. We did the breath today. We'll open up to sensations and sounds, and then we'll open up to thoughts and feelings. So you'll say, wow, there's a whole lot of instructions. How am I going to remember all this? It all comes down very simply to what's happening now. Can I let my experience be as it is and bring a relaxed, interested, and kind awareness to the moment? I want to focus particularly on those last three, a relaxed, interested, kind awareness. It's really hard to see clearly if the mind is tight and contracted. And especially if you're trying to do it right, the mind can get very contracted if there's a report card that you're evaluating your experience with. You don't help yourself at all with that tightness. And again, especially the first days where, where you're kind of sluggish, the energy might be a little bit down, or uh, you might be a little bit uh, um, restless as it is. It's, it's harder to be relaxed, but we'll continue to remind you that this is not cheating. It's actually a really good thing. Uh, there was one uh, one time, it was a, a, a Tibetan master came to Spirit Rock, a Monday night talk. Each Monday there's a uh, you know, a lot of people that come to hear the talk, and he was, um, I, I happened to listen to, somebody said, this is really, really good, and I listened to the talk. They said, he gave the secret teachings, and, and he, in the middle of the talk, he says, the whole of practice I could sum up in two words. You know, everybody was kind of leaning forward, what is he going to say? And he said, be spacious. Because in that spaciousness, there is enough room for things to be seen clearly and for our own uh, wisdom to shine through and our own goodness and love to shine through. To be spacious, a relaxed awareness. In, uh, there was a, a book many years ago uh, that I, I love. You can actually get it online. Um, it's, it was a thin book 
called The Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment. Right? <clears throat> of course it was a thin book, right? <laughs> By Thaddeus Golis. I loved this book. And he made the point, and I've been uh, taking it as a, a principle uh, for many years, that we are beings of expansion and contraction. Just like the tides ebb and flow, it's not that one is right and one is wrong. We're all made up of all of these different elements and attitudes. But expansion, the expandedness, is aligned with all the, the qualities that in Buddhism are called wholesome qualities. Generosity, love, kindness, compassion, equanimity, all of those and any other wholesome quality that, that I've seen comes from an openness of heart and an openness of mind. When we're contracted or dense, as, as he would call it, um, we get very tight and all of what are called the unwholesome qualities, qualities, added uh, mental factors that lead to suffering, come from that contracted space. Uptightness. That's not in the Pali Canon, but uh, the idea getting tight, getting um, uh, angry, frightened, all of those have to do with a contracted mind. You take a look for yourself. And when you're contracted, it's probably not the voice of wisdom to listen to. And so as we allow ourselves to come here and relax, sometimes it takes a little while to just even peel off the armoring that we we didn't realize that we're holding. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to relax here. Yeah, so I'll get there. It takes a little while and then, oh yeah, oh, I can let go of some of that stuff. As you more and more allow yourself to relax into the moment, to receive it as it is, then you're not struggling to fix it or make it a better moment or having to make a project out of it. Mm. And in fact, if you want to settle the mind down, if you, if you say, gee, it would be wonderful to get concentrated. Concentration does not come from a tightness and a, a, a contraction. I'm going to get concentrated if it kills me. It might if you have that kind of an attitude. You know. Really, concentration that I've seen comes from an openness. You're not putting blinders on or trying to keep anything out. It's just a very open, spacious, uh, relaxed attitude, and you're preferentially focusing on whether it's the breath or the uh, experience at hand. But it's supported by that relaxation. Now, relaxed does not mean lazy. For those who are of the tend to go to the couch potato mentality, you know, it's not like, oh, cool, I'm just going to really have a laid-back retreat. Because it takes effort to get here. There's no doubt about it. I, I heard one Tibetan teacher talk about practice. He said sometimes it feels like manual labor, where you're just, your mind wanders and you bring it back. Okay, come on. Wanders, bring it back. It takes some effort to get here, but it can't be that striving and struggling effort. It's more an effort that comes from the heart of really um, loving the present. You're something calling you to the present. It's not something that you you can uh, judge as far as how well your effort is, whether it's wise effort by what's happening. Sometimes you might just fall into a sweet meditation and say, gosh, how did that happen? It just happens sometimes. And sometimes you can have the deepest, most sincere effort and have a, a storm, an upheaval coming through, which is perhaps exactly what you need. So if you're judging your effort by what your practice looks like from the outside, you're missing something. Effort doesn't come from 
sheer force of will, at least with this kind of practice. It comes from a sincerity of heart that simply wants to be here. And in fact, sometimes what's called for is to relax, and sometimes what's called for is to, uh, to rev up the commitment. You have to see for yourself if you're getting too laid back, okay, time to remember why you're here. If you're getting too tight and feel like the walls are closing in on you, time to just lighten up. Go for a walk on one of my uh, retreats. Uh, it might have been the retreat that Howie was talking about uh, uh, last night. I had gone very slowly for a, for a long time. And it was great for most of the time, but after a while, I started to get a little bit heavy and serious. And then a lot heavy and serious. And then it got very grim. And I was still like crawling around like a, you know, like a slow snail. And, uh, and at some point I said, this is crazy. I think I'm going to go for a walk. You know? I hadn't gone at a normal human pace for about three weeks at that point, right? And I said, I'm just, I'm going to play hooky and not be mindful, right? It was the middle of the winter and I put on my, my coat and my, my boots and it was snowing, out. it had snowed outside. And in my determination to play hooky and do an unmindful walk and walk fast, left, right, left, right, sniffling, hearing, left, right, thinking, left, right. I couldn't turn it off, but I had been so busy trying to turn it on that I didn't realize how mindful I had become. When I stopped and lightened up, oh yeah, and gave myself some space, it was, it had been there all along, but if you're too tight, you can't see it. So it's a, a balance of effort. This is what we need to do. Continually check in. It's like riding a bicycle, you know. You're not going to be this much all the time. It's a complete, it's, a, it's an ongoing balancing act. Oh, I can uh, use a little bit of inspiration now. Rev up the engine. Oh, lighten up right now. One of the most important attitudes to bear in mind is that you have no control over how, at least the way I see it, you don't really control how concentrated or mindful you are in any moment. You have no control even over your mind. I said that in the group today, and some people said, oh, really? You might th think that's discouraging, but it's actually great news that you don't have control over your mind. Why? Because then you don't have to blame yourself for what comes through. It's, you don't say, gee, I could go over some doubt right now, you know. It just comes all by itself. How about rage? I could go for a good dose of rage. It just comes. And so you don't have to blame yourself for the thoughts that come through. And in the same way, you don't have control over how concentrated or mindful you are. What you do have control over is the sincere effort to be here as best you can, to be as present as you can, and when you see you've gone, to come on back. That's your end of the deal. And I'll, I'll just mention again something that I, I think is really important. For me, I think that really the secret of, of the meditation is the moment that you realize that your mind has wandered. That is the key moment in the meditation. Because while it's gone, there's not much you can do about it, is, is there? You might be gone for five seconds, five minutes, 25 minutes, you are gone. At some point, and it helps to be in a room full of people, you might realize, oh, meditating, this is what we're doing. <laughs> and then at that point, you've got a choice how to respond to the fact that your mind has wandered. 
one very common response is, oh, shoot, there I am wandering again. Get back here and do this right. <laughs> and as I said earlier today, you might have some awareness, but you can hear the judgment and the frustration and the discouragement and the agitation that that kind of response has in it. And what you're doing really in that response is cultivating judgment, frustration, discouragement, and agitation. So no bonus points for that. Another very common response, oh, I've been lost in thought, but this is a very interesting thought. Let me just go with this one for a little while. And when you've done that, you've bitten the bait and probably gone for another five seconds if you're lucky, or five minutes, or 15 minutes, you're gone. So you want to notice that you've been gone, but notice how you bring yourself back. And the recommended response, when you realize you've been gone, and Howie mentioned this this morning, instead of feeling discouraged, appreciate, take delight in the fact that you're here again. Oh, wow, here I am in the present moment. Cool. This is where you're supposed, where you're trying to be. Don't spend time beating yourself up for having been gone. Oh, great. Here we are. And then bringing your attention back with a lot of kindness and forgiveness and patience and the sincere intention to be here as best you can. That's how you're developing a, 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 a relaxed and non-judging attitude. Okay, come on back. And wherever you happen to be, whatever state you're in, is just what state you're in. Oh, I'm all over the map. Oh, it's all over the map, Buddha, today. I'm foggy. Oh, it's foggy, Buddha. I'm scared. It's scared, Buddha. It's just what happens to be going on right now. You just keep on coming back and seeing what's here, what's here. You don't have to figure anything out either. That's another trap that sometimes people get into when they're in the meditation saying, okay, what does this mean? Uh, I, you know, I, I keep on having this thought. Let me just get to the bottom of this. You don't have to figure it out. It's so much easier. That's how you can relax a bit, by letting go of that interpretation. On somebody's first retreat, this was a number of years ago, she had given herself a really hard time. And finally, towards the end of the retreat, she got it and she wrote me a note. The one thing that's indelibly in my brain is finally understanding you don't have to figure it out. That would never ever register in my mind as an option before. Yesterday I was walking and struggling in my brain, thinking round and round, and this voice came into my head that said, you don't have to figure it out. And I stopped and closed my eyes and asked myself, what is true right now in this moment? And what was true was the rising and falling of my breath and various body sensations coming and going. And the rest will balance itself out in its own time, I thought to myself. And I resumed my walking. What a revelation. You don't have to figure it out. That's where you can really lighten up and just allow. So, relaxed, interested awareness. This is really the key, I think, to wise effort. Instead of pouncing on your experience and, and really wanting to do it right, if you just let yourself be interested, then you want to pay attention. So it's really like coming back to that childlike wonder that we all came into this world with. 
interest or investigation is one of the factors of enlightenment. It's one of the seven factors of enlightenment to really take a look and see what's going on. At first, it means you might have to kind of rev up the engine and pretend that things are interesting. But after a while, as you pay attention, the more mindful you become, the more interesting things become, the more interesting things are, the more you want to pay attention and the stronger the mindfulness is. Now we all have this capacity. I I came across a a birthday card, which I I haven't sent because I love it so much. Every time I think of sending it, I said, no, I can't give that away. And it's of this little baby. uh, Oh, no, he might be about uh, four months old or so. And uh, it's a photograph, actually. I don't know how they did it, but he's he's uh, he's got a bugger in his in his hands, right? And he's staring with fascination at this this bugger. And the uh, what does it say inside? You are always easy to entertain. Happy birthday. Uh, that's how we really are deep inside. Things are fascinating to us. When I was a kid, I don't know if you ever did this, this might sound a little strange, but maybe you can relate. You ever look at a shaft of, of sunlight through a window and look at it up close? Wow. I used to look at shafts of sunlight for a long time. Wow. If somebody said, what are you looking at? Oh, I'm watching dust. It doesn't sound very scintillating. But there's a whole show in there. And there's a whole show in every moment. That's what happens if you're starting at times to settle in on the breath. Instead of thinking of it as like, oh, here's a breath. We just had one a moment ago. Big deal. Every breath is unique. Every breath is different. And it's bringing that spirit, like uh, Jesus saying, except ye be converted as children, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. So I want to just give you a a little uh, guided meditation with the breath for a few moments. Just uh, notice where you're feeling the breath, perhaps at the nostrils or the belly. Now, just imagine you've just come into this world and you're about to take your first breath. Can you be here for it? See if you can notice just the moment that the, the in-breath starts or the rising movement starts. As it's coming in, if you're feeling it at the nostrils, does it come in equally one nostril to the other? Or is it change? If you're feeling the rising, does it come as a band or as a balloon? Just how do you experience it? See if there's any sensations to come through as a steady stream or puffs or waves or as the rising segments, pieces. See if you can notice just the moment where the inhale turns to the exhale or the rising to the falling. As the exhale goes, is it the same length as the inhale? Or is it longer or shorter? Smoother or rougher? 
See if you can notice just the moment that the exhale, the out-breath stops, or the falling. Does the next breath start, or is there any space in between? See if you can notice something that you didn't notice before. Just for the fun of it. just for the fun of it. That's the, an attitude I have. You're doing it just as a game. This doesn't have to be a heavy-handed kind of a, an assignment. Sometimes I have the attitude, I mentioned this this afternoon, like I'm an alien reporting back to the mothership. You know? Oh, that's, this is what breathing is like for these guys. You know? Oh, wow. Oh, this is what walking is like. You know, be like a a baby taking your first steps. When you bring that kind of an interest to it, it's, um, it's fun. And it's not like you can be that precise all the time, but those times that you are there, don't let it just be a mechanical exercise. Take a look more carefully. <clears throat> and the same way with the walking. You can make it like a, somebody said, gee, I, I, I'm just having such a hard time walking. I just really don't like it. And I said, do you like to go for walks? Oh, yeah, I like to go for walks all the time. Well, let yourself go for a walk where you're really here. It's like learning to do Tai Chi or dancing or just feeling the grace of the movement. It doesn't have to be some kind of a, a chore. See what works for you that will bring a, a, a playful and interesting attitude because it's so much easier to see things that way. So, relaxed, interested, and kind awareness. <clears throat> Tomorrow we'll start to do some loving kindness in addition to the, the mindfulness. And it's a, a very important complement to the, the practice because in loving kindness, what we're doing is cultivating that friendliness with ourselves and with the moment that can then infuse the mindfulness practice. It's a kind awareness. There's a, a welcoming quality. Oh, let me open up to this moment. Doesn't mean that you like everything that you're seeing in this moment, but that you're willing to make friends with it. <clears throat> and that means that you might need to open up to things that are not so easy to look at. This is in your willingness to look at everything. It's like you're taking the lid off of all of your uh, experience that we usually distract ourselves with, and we see all the stuff inside. We see our pettiness and our judgments and our confusion and our desires and our anger and all of that stuff. But deeper down, there's something much more profound than all of those superficial things. But we have to be willing to open up to all of them. Robert Bly has this, this line I love. He says, every part of us that we do not learn to love will become hostile to us. We have to learn to embrace and say, this too is part of being human. And what you're doing is not just looking at your own stuff, but you're looking at it for all of us. As the, the Buddha said in one teaching, he says, in this fathom-long body, the whole of the Dharma, the whole, all of life is revealed. This is your laboratory to understand the human condition, the one you've been issued, this body and this mind, 
And the more you can understand this one and be kind and forgiving and patient and embrace the, t the whole package, the more you can do the same for everybody else. And that might mean real forgiveness. It might mean real acceptance of your humanity. And it's a very potent practice. Let me see if I want to read something to you. Yeah, this is great. This is from uh, Jack Cornfield's book, The Art of Forgiveness, Loving Kindness, and Peace. In the Babemba tribe of South Africa, when a person acts irresponsibly or unjustly, he's placed in the center of the village, alone and unfettered. All work ceases, and every man, woman, and child in the village gathers in a large circle around the accused individual. Then each person in the tribe speaks to the accused one at a time, each recalling the good things the person in the center of the circle has done in his lifetime. Every incident, every experience that can be recalled with any detail and accuracy is recounted. All his positive attributes, good deeds, strengths, and kindnesses are recited carefully and at length. This tribal ceremony often lasts for several days. At the end, the tribal circle is broken, a joyous celebration takes place, and the person is symbolically and literally welcomed back into the tribe. That's a good tribe to hang out with, isn't it? Yeah. You can hear, you can imagine, as that person is put in the center and reminded of all his or her good qualities, that, that starts to bring them out. And that forgiveness is much more potent than uh, retribution. In the same way, that's what we need to do for ourselves. All our foibles, all our flaws, all our shortcomings, we'll see them. So you've got two choices, either to beat yourself up more for them, which just leads to more contraction and confusion, or to see your humanity and say, yes, that's too, that too is part of being human. That compassion and kindness that you give yourself is really the basis for compassion and kindness towards everybody else. It's your, the greatest gift that you can give to yourself. And it means really understanding the conditioning that has gone into all of those habits. We're all just creatures and products of conditioning. So, as we take a look at that, as we see all of those things, rather than being those things, our pettiness and our fears and our sadnesses. We can be the awareness that's, that's being aware of it. The awareness of anger is not angry. The awareness of fear is not frightened. In order to be mindful and see, oh yeah, and mindful doesn't mean Oh, shoot, there's more angry, anger. It means a non-judging awareness. In that moment, oh yeah, here's anger. You are the awareness that's noticing the anger. So to move from being the awareness, from the, from the, uh, the intense emotion to the awareness that can see it, that's what we're doing. Relaxed, interested, kind awareness. And here's the secret ingredient that we bring to our practice. And that is our sincerity of heart. What got you here? Why did you come here? Something in you said, I think I'm supposed to do this retreat. Somehow you heard a call that not that many people hear. 
this is amazingly good karma. To give yourself the time and the uh, and have the resources somehow to come here and want to explore the deepest truth within yourself and to get in touch with whatever it is that did call you to to come. Something very deep and pure was the motivation. I'd just like you to remember for a moment, maybe close your eyes for a moment, and remember why you signed up for this. Where did that come from? What amazing good karma that there's something very pure in you that wants to wake up to the truth. Okay, if you'd like, you can open your eyes. It's like something is rooting for your happiness for your true happiness, and you heard it. And that's your biggest uh, factor in doing this process. Something in you that says, I want to wake up. And it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside, to keep on getting in touch with your sincere motivation and to feel the grace and the gratitude that you hear it. One moment after another, just this moment, every moment is giving you just what you need to wake up. And all you need to do is bring a relaxed, interested, kind awareness to this moment. And the rest is up to the Dharma. You don't have to figure out what your process is going to be like. You don't have to plan the perfect retreat. You're going to get your perfect retreat. All you need to do is show up. So I'll close with one more Dana Falls poem. Called Awakening Now. Why wait for your awakening? The moment your eyes are open, seize the day. Would you hold back when the beloved beckons? Would you deliver your litany of sins like a child's collection of seashells, prized and labeled? No, I can't step across the threshold, you say, eyes downcast. I'm not worthy. I'm afraid. My motives aren't pure. I'm not perfect, and surely I haven't practiced nearly enough. My meditation isn't deep and my prayers are sometimes insincere. I still chew my fingernails and the refrigerator isn't clean. Do you value your reasons for staying small more than the light shining through the open door? Forgive yourself. Now is the only time you have to be whole. Now is the sole moment that exists to live in the light of your true self. Perfection is not a prerequisite for anything but pain, please, oh please, don't continue to believe in your disbelief. This is the day of your awakening. So let's sit for a moment. Just this moment, just be with this one.
thank you for your attention. And, uh... Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.